protects us through those seven last plagues, but they are very real plagues that prelude our deliverance from this world and beginning a journey to God's promised land. Now, there may be some spiritual applications to uh, some of the plagues, like the darkness on the seat of the beast, probably literal darkness, but it means they're also living in darkness. All right, next question that we have, it says, when Jesus says he baptizes with fire, what does it mean? The Holy Spirit. Uh, because John the Baptist says that uh, he that comes after you will baptize you in fire and the Spirit. He makes it clear what that, and then you look in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, it says it came like tongues of fire. Uh, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea, baptized in water, and then they were baptized in a pillar of fire that God used to protect them. We need both baptisms. Did Jesus die on Wednesday if the Bible says he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth? No, the only reason people try to move the crucifixion to a Wednesday is they misunderstand Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so the Son of Man will be, or rather, Jonah three days, three nights in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. The three days of Jesus begins with his suffering and his surrender in the Garden of Gethsemane. So it's talking about Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, he was suffering for the sins of the world. That's including the suffering, the death, and the tomb. He rose Sunday morning. So you don't need to move the crucifixion to Wednesday. By the way, we do have a book that talks about that three days and three nights, and it's called The Sign of Jonah. That's right. If you'd like to receive the book, just call 800-835-6747. Pastor Doug, one more. Where in the Bible does it say God helps those who help themselves? doesn't say that in the Bible. That was Benjamin Franklin. Hey, listening friends, we're going to learn more next week. Tune in, tell your friends, and go to amazingfacts.org. God bless. Bible Answers Live. Honest and accurate answers to your Bible questions. and we're counting down the days to when we see hundreds of you back here in Southern Illinois for our 3B and Summer Camp Meeting from June 7 through 10. Our theme this year is majoring in the minors as we look at the major messages from the prophets of the Bible. I'm personally looking forward to hearing from the amazing lineup of speakers, including Whitley Phipps, Jay Gallimore, Christopher Hudson, Dakota Day, and many more. I'm also looking forward to seeing you, our 3EBN family, for a time of spiritual refreshment and fellowship. We'll have amazing music, programs for kids, delicious complimentary meals, studio tours, and much more. Visit 3EBNCampMeeting.org for more information and come see us June 7 through 10. Of course, if you can't make it in person, then be sure to tune in and watch it on 3ABN. We are looking forward to seeing you here in June. Shelly Quinn. I'm J.D. Quinn. And we welcome you to 3ABN Live. 
You know, 3ABN stands for Three Angels Broadcasting Network. Our ministry is built on the Three Angels messages of Revelation 14. Mm -hmm. And that message itself in Revelation 14, 6, the first angel has the everlasting gospel to take to all the world. You know what the everlasting gospel is? Revelation 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 13, 20, that His blood is the blood of the everlasting covenant and the goal of God's covenant of righteousness by faith is 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that says He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If the message of righteousness by faith is understood correctly, there will be no liberalism and there will be no legalism. There's only one way, only one pathway to salvation. That's righteousness by faith. And tonight we are so excited because we're with the directors of the 1888 Message Study Committee. And they are sold out to this message of righteousness by faith. And let me introduce our guest right now. First, we have Brian and Lindy Schwartz, both doctors. So glad that you're here. Brian, you are the, what do you do? I'm an interventional cardiologist and the medical director for heart and vascular at the Kettering Medical Center in Dayton, Ohio. Amen. Wow. And then in your spare time, you are the, <laughs> I'm the committee. chairman of the board for the 1888 the Message chairman Study Committee. Of the board. Lindy, tell us what you do. First of all, it is wonderful to be here with both you, Shelley, and J.D., and we want to thank the three of the family for having us back Amen. again. Amen. So I'm a physician, also at Kettering Medical Center. I'm an internal medicine specialist. I actually am the director of the residency in internal medicine, so I train residents to become internal medicine doctors. Praise God. And I'm a member of the advisory board for the 1888 Methodist Study Committee, and I'm also very proud and happy to be married to Brian Schwartz. (laughs) 33 years. You guys make a wonderful couple. (laughs) And then your sister, you brought your sister's husband with you tonight. I brought my sister's husband. (laughs) 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 Dr. Robert Hunsaker. Bob, tell us what you do. So I'm from Boston, and I'm the director of the cardiac anesthesiology services at one of the hospitals in Boston. That's what I do for my day job, and uh, very busy with that. But uh, happy to be here with you guys very, very much, because we're just so so privileged and so blessed and just feel so encouraged to have a chance to share this 18 message with with you guys and with the broader world. Amen. And so you are the actually the president of the 1888 study committee. And I just want you tonight's message is called the 1888 uh, message. The truth as it is in Jesus. This is my favorite topic because when you understand the message of righteousness by faith, you can't help but fall in love with God because it reveals the love of God in such a special way. And then you know that you want to walk in loving obedience and loyalty to the Lord. Before we begin, and I could go on and on, we have a very appropriate song for tonight. We know you love music. We love the man that is going to be bringing us that music. Honey, tell us about it. Well, you are wound up tonight, my darling. (laughs) (laughs) I want to bring it back down a little bit here. Oh, in Christ alone. And Jamie George is going to share. Uh, He is so gifted. We love Jamie. So, in Christ alone.
is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving seems. My comforter, my all and all, here with the love of Christ I stand. So gifted. Oh, we so love gifted. to hear him play. If you are joining us just a little late, our special guests tonight are Doctors Bob Hunsaker, Lindy, and Brian Schwartz. And we are going to have a marvelous, arousing discussion tonight, I believe. Also, Shelley, this is a live program, two hour live program, 60 minutes and 60 minutes. And we are taking your questions. So let me give you, we're going to take them through text, and that is 618. You can look at the bottom of your uh, screen, 618-228-3975. And if you want to email it, well, then it's live at 3abn.tv. Please send those questions in. Absolutely. We're so excited about this. So now, let me just kick this off and ask you guys, what happened in 1888 <laughs> that warrants all of this excitement and why is it still relevant today? Who wants to start? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a critical question, actually. And I think as we, if you look at any of God's movements throughout history, um, from, from the, the Jewish nation to the early Christian church to the Reformation church, there's always been times when God has had to sort of keep us on the straight and narrow path, yeah. as it were. And that includes, includes uh, our denomination. So um, our Adventist pioneers went through something called the Great Disappointment. Um, they were expecting the Lord to come. It didn't happen. Um, but they weren't dejected or discouraged. They pressed ahead. But over time, they began to be very sort of, sort of, um, promoting the truth 
but not the truth as it is in Jesus. Mm. Um, we're going to read something that talks about them losing sight of Jesus. So, so God throughout history, whether it's Elijah in the Old Testament or Peter and Paul in the New Testament or Martin Luther in the Reformation, sent messengers to give additional light and to give correction, to give direction to God's people. So 1880, as it were, was a time when God said to us, listen, I want to keep you on the straight and narrow. Here's additional light so that you guys can grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And as throughout history, um, he sends messengers, people that are especially receptive and appreciative of what he wants to communicate. And in 1880, it happened to be two young gentlemen named A.T. Jones and E.J. Wagner, young gentlemen there, 20s and 30s that, that were responsive and receptive and Bible students and communicated to our church additional light that God had for us. And it's something that's been a, a huge blessing to so many since then. And what was that additional light? Well, there's a lot. We're going to be talking about that the whole time <laughs> yeah, tonight. But it, um, the bottom line is... The bottom light, it reframed the truth to the truth as it is in Jesus. It was a message about the righteousness of Christ, mm-hmm. um, the character of God, the beauty of his character, the Amen. cross, the love of God for each one of us and what he's done for each one of us. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes people get caught up in talking about, well, they talked about the horns in Daniel. They talked about the law in Galatians. Mm-hmm. And those were all issues, but those were superficial issues. Mm-hmm. The fundamental issue that was going on there was God was trying to bring us to repentance, to maturity, mm-hmm to the point where he could resolve this whole great controversy and come a second time. Mm-hmm. That was what was going on underneath those superficial kinds of issues. And, and you saw, you know, it was said that the heart of what was being presented was the uplifted Savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the uplifted Savior. Is and I focus. think that would summarize yep, what absolutely. you said. Mm-hmm. That was the focus of and, everything. And when we up, uplift the Savior, what did Jesus say? He would draw all yes. unto himself. Yes. And I truly believe... As you know, this is my favorite topic, yes. righteousness by faith. But I truly believe that if we understand this truth and if we will fall so much in love with the Lord that we will be sold out for the mm-hmm. Lord. And I believe if we broadcast this truth as we are called to do, that the eternal light of God's love and humility will open people's eyes and we'll see people coming in from other religions, not just Christianity, but if people understand who the person of Jesus Mm -hmm. Christ is, I think it will be world changing. Now, this is an interesting thing that I'm going to ask you because I have heard it said Mm -hmm. that some people think to look to the 1888 Mm -hmm. message is like we are looking backward in history. I don't see it that way myself, but how do you feel about when someone asks or makes a comment like this to you? How do you respond? Yeah, there's a a couple things about that. Yeah, that was over 100 years ago. And uh, it does seem like a long time in our short time frame. But, you know, if we don't learn from our history, we're destined to repeat it. And as we look back in history, um, since Jesus walked in this world, there's really been two incredible watershed moments um, where the Holy Spirit was poured out. The early rain uh, with the apostles and the latter rain that Ellen White identified was being poured out as part of this message. And so what Martin Luther did was incredible. What the reformers did was incredible. But here was an end time message that was to be united with the power of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the latter rain that was to prepare people to give a message that would warn the whole world and to uplift Christ um, as the savior of the world that would draw everyone to repentance. And so we have to ask the question, if that was all part of this and we're still here, there must be something that we've missed that we need to look back at or we could be repeating the same unbelief just like the Jews had when they refused or the Israelites um, when they refused to cross over um, the Jordan River into Canaan and had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Is it possible we too have been wandering? Mm-hmm. Yeah, over and over again, the Bible tells us to remember. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Remember remember. Mm-hmm. And as Brian said, if we don't remember history, we're doomed to repeat it. Uh, one of our, our Adventist founders says that by looking back to our history, we can see the Lord's leading and his teaching in our past history. Mm-hmm. We have nothing to fear for the future, she says, except. So there is a mm-hmm. caution for fearing for the future, mm-hmm. except as we forget the Lord's leading and teaching in our past history. So as we move forward, we need to look back and to enable us to move forward, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I believe that the, the, the righteousness by faith message is 
the message of the hour because this Amen. is this is the only way yeah. that we will really God can capture people's hearts. Yeah. Lindy, you know I think we also believe, and I think that's already been alluded to, that this message was designed by God to be the loud cry message that brings on mm. the latter rain. Absolutely. And so we believe that this message is key to the latter rain. I think the reason that we are so committed to the message and passionate about it and, and preach about it, every opportunity we get is that we believe that there is something in this message that will bring on the latter rain. Um, you know, Ellen White said that after, it was actually even before the 1888 General Conference mm -hmm. session, but she has said several times, um, and I forgot the exact date, when the first time, I think it was maybe 1852, whenever she said first time, that Christ could have come ere this. Mm -hmm. Christ mm -hmm. could have come ere this. So which means that Christ wants to come back. And there's something in this message, I think, that, that I believe he's going to work out his plan, but but he needs us to participate with him. And I think presenting a message that he said through Ellen White uh, would bring on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, she says, in large measure. So, I want, Can I tell you, <clears throat> do we have time for me to tell you a quick story? Absolutely. We moved to Texas and we moved to the central part of Texas where the family farm was. Got there, five-year drought. Mm -hmm. There were cracks in the ground that were three inches mm -hmm. across and I don't know how deep. And so I joined my voice to the chorus of people who were crying out to the Lord for rain. Mm. Jetty was out of town one night. I heard the pity patter on the tin roof. And then all of a sudden it was just, it came a gully washer is what we call them <laughs> in Texas. I, I looked outside the window. You couldn't even see three feet in front of you because of how the rain was coming. Yeah. I was so excited. I could hardly sleep because I wanted to go out and see what a difference it made. Mm -hmm. Next morning went out. Ground was just as mm -hmm. hard and dry mm -hmm. as it was before. What had happened, all the water, it, the mm -hmm. ground was so hard, the water had run off in our tanks. That's what we call ponds uh -huh. in Texas. But our tanks had caught water, but there was nothing. And the Lord spoke to me. And you know what he said? Mm -hmm. Just as it is in the physical, so shall it be in the spiritual. Mm -hmm. If we have not been influenced by the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in Bible study, in, in surrendering to God, when the latter rain is poured mm -hmm. out, it will run off our, mm -hmm. our backs like water off a duck's back. Yeah. So it's something that if this message, which is... The everlasting gospel. I mean, it, it's introduced in yes. Genesis 5, uh, 3, 15, mm -hmm. and it's throughout Revelation. So if we don't pay attention to this message mm -hmm. that was brought, mm -hmm. we're in trouble. So let's talk about what are some of the points that Wagner and Jones made in this 1888 mm -hmm. message? Mm -hmm. What made their message unique? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, uh, one of the points we should start with, I think, is, is the atheist message emphasizes not just what God did for the believer, mm -hmm. and we focus a lot on that as Christians, mm -hmm. what God has done for the whole human race. Amen. And I want to read a couple of verses here that bring this out, things we don't really think about very often. Okay. I'm going to read three or four verses in sort of quick succession to bring this out. Here's um, 1 Timothy 4.10. We trust in the living God who is the Savior of yeah. all men, especially those who believe. So Jesus isn't just the Savior of the believer. Mm -hmm. He's the Savior of the whole world. Now, they may not know that, may they may not believe it, but he's still their Savior today. Now, this comes up a bunch of times. Here's 1 John four fourteen, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. So again, the, the Bible is bringing out that God's not just the savior of the believer, but he's the savior of the whole world. Now here's uh, John 4, 42. This is um, after the woman at the well experience. She invites Jesus back to the, the town there in Samaria and Jesus speaks to them for a couple of days. And at the end of that experience, the men of Samaria come to her and say, we believe, not just based on what you've mm -hmm. said, but we've, what we've seen. And they say this, we believe not because of thy saying, speaking about the woman at the well, for we have heard him Jesus ourselves and know that this is indeed the the Christ the savior of the world. Yeah. So the message that the 18 message was trying to bring out was not just that Jesus is the savior of you when you believe but Jesus went out and saved you before you believed. Mm -hmm. Now does that mean everyone's going to be in heaven? 
No. No. But Jesus right now today is everybody's savior. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for what Jesus had done, nobody would have life. Right. Atheist, yeah. Christian, but, uh, Muslim, Buddhist, everyone today has life today because of what Jesus has done. Yes. So, so our, one of the, our message isn't, if you believe, yes. then he'll be your savior. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Our message is, Jesus is your savior. Your savior. Believe it. And, it. and it isn't even, if you believe first, he will do something for mm -hmm. you. Right. He has already done something, something for you. you. Believe it. Appreciate it, yes. and it. And it has to be that way because yeah. all of us are so wretched, so miserably lost, um, that there's nothing we can do to initiate our salvation. Yeah. And Romans 5 and the first part says, so <laughs> Lynn's got I'm, it open too. Well, so I'm going to go to this part after you go to this. We're all here, but <laughs> Romans 5, 6, for when we were still without strength, Somebody without strength can't do anything to rescue themselves. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And uh, while we were still sinners in verse 8, and while we were enemies, we were as far away from God, we were alienated from God, we, didn't, we wouldn't even know our condition if he hadn't come to rescue us first. And so the good news that they really emphasize mm -hmm. is that God has to be the initiator yes. of everything regarding salvation. Yes. And I'm struck with the fact that every other religion in the world, every pagan religion, Buddhism, every religion has the idea that we have to do something to make ourselves right first so that we, God can accept us. Amen. Um, Catholicism, I mean, Martin Luther, when he saw that text in Romans 1, was on his knees climbing Pilate's staircase and realizing, no, righteousness is by faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's God is the initiator of all things. And the thing that really strikes me is, is always God is the initiator. We are the responder. Mm -hmm. We love him because he first loved, loved us. us. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Um, we experience justification by faith because he has justified us. He is the savior of all the world and therefore we can experience salvation okay. in a response. So let's hit the pause button. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Someone out here is saying, what do you mean justification by faith? Yeah. What is justification by faith? This is beautiful and I want people to know that this concept will save your life. Amen. <laughs> Um, but I, I, because Brian mentioned Pilate's staircase, mm -hmm. if you want to look at contrasts between what the 1888 messengers were teaching and Ellen White as well were teaching compared to, you know, most religions, it was Pilate's staircase is a good example contrasting to the, to the shepherd who's reaching down for a sheep that is lost. So in Pilate's staircase, they're climbing, trying to reach to God. Whereas with the sheep that is lost that can't do anything to save itself, with the shepherd looking for the sheep and does not give up until he finds it. Mm -hmm. And that's really important about God's initiative. But I do want to read something. <laughs> this is my... <laughs> if J.D. thought that Shelley was excited, <laughs> this is exciting. Okay. So, so in terms of the initiative, and, and this is one area I think that really does need to be clarified. Because I think it's such amazing news. The gospel is better than we think it is. Oh, it's beautiful. Because God is out looking for us. So just look in Romans chapter 5. Brian read um, 6 and 8 and 10 about being without strength and godly. Without strength means you can't do anything for mm. yourself. You're helpless. Um, but there's something, and, and Shelley, you asked about justification. And the question is, and this is where um, there's possible possibility for some confusion and it is what is it exactly that Christ did for us so in verse 12 it simply says this therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and thus death spread to all men in Romans 5 Romans chapter 5 mm -hmm. verse 12 because all sinned then he stops and thinks about it for a while then has a several texts of parenthesis in other words he is explains it but he doesn't get back to verse 12 until verse 18. So let's just look at verse 18. Then after verse 18, I'm going to look at, we'll look at verse 17. And I want to read something that Wagoner talked about. So, so uh, verse 12 says that all, all men, the death spread to all men because all sinned. And then in verse 18, he says, therefore. At the end of the parenthesis. At the end of the parenthesis. That's right, Brian. At the end of the parenthesis, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in 
condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, and that righteous act is the cross of Christ. Mm -hmm. One mm -hmm. man's righteous act um, to all men, and my Bible says to all men, yeah. to all men resulting in, I can skip one word to avoid confusion, which is it resulted in life. The Bible does say it resulted in justification of life. So the question is, what does that mean? Does that mean everyone's going to heaven? Mm. It doesn't mean everyone's going to heaven. So let me just read Wagner commenting on these two verses. Um, he says, the condemnation that death passed upon all men. That's what he said. Mm. And judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Then he addresses the idea of justification of life. And he says, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. He quotes that. Then he says this, there is no exception here. As the condemnation came upon all, so the justification comes upon all. Christ has tasted death for every man. He has given himself for all. Nay, he has given himself to every man. The free gift has come upon all. The fact that it is a free gift is evidence that there is no exception. It is a fact, therefore plainly stated in the Bible, that the gift of righteousness and life in Christ has come to every man on earth. There is not the slightest reason why every man that has ever lived should not be saved unto eternal life except that they will not have it. So many mm -hmm. spurn the gift so offered freely. And so that's why in verse 17, uh, Paul says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign through life. So the gift has come to everybody. Amen. So many spurn it, refuse Amen. it. But if you receive it, you will have eternal life. So let me break it down to yes. something a little simpler to understand at home. Our creator God humbled himself to become mm -hmm. a man. Mm -hmm. He took on our flesh to become the son of man and the covenant son of God. He was obedient to the point of death on the cross. When Christ died on the cross... When we say the word justified, this is mm -hmm. a legal word mm -hmm. that our heavenly judge either is going to pronounce us guilty or not guilty, justified or uh, condemned. So if we are condemned, that means we did not receive the free yes. gift. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. If we are justified, that means the blood of Christ covers our sins. And God, it's, he looks down. There's no forensic evidence because we've accepted this free gift that's offered to all. And to be justified means to be declared not guilty. You're acquitted of your sin. So justification by righteousness the righteousness by faith in Christ. This is amazing. Yes. And it is mm -hmm. available to all. Yes. Bob, you look so pensive. <laughs> no, I was just going to comment. Ellen White articulates this mm -hmm. in a couple different ways, but one that's meant a lot to me is where she says, with his own blood, mm -hmm. Jesus Christ signed the emancipation papers. And she says, not of the believer only, but of the race. Mm -hmm. Amen. So essentially at the cross with his own blood, he didn't just sign the freedom papers, the legal freedom for the believer only, but for the whole race. Mm -hmm. And that's something we don't think about a lot of times. We think about what God has done for the believer, mm -hmm. but we don't appreciate what God has done for the whole world. Another place she says it this way, never one saint or sinner eats his daily bread, but he is nourished by the body and blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. The cross of Christ is stamped on every water spring. It is manifested in every loaf of bread. So what's she saying there? She's saying every single person on this planet, saint or sinner, believer or unbeliever, atheist or theist, but Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, any religious world, they're all benefiting from the cross of Christ. So our evangelistic pitch isn't just if you do this, if you do this, then God will do for you. Our evangelism is God has already done all of this for you. 
believe it, appreciate it, receive it. Very different motivational realities, right? In the first one, I'm grasping for something for my own security. In the other one, I'm expressing appreciation to God for what he's already done for me. I think that's a critical difference. Amen. And when when we realize what Christ went through, you were quoting essentially Philippians 2 as Jesus stepped down these Mm -hmm. steps down to the point of death, even a death of a cross. Yes. When we realize what Jesus went through on the cross, it will melt our heart mm. and we will see what it cost him to justify the whole race. And at that point, when we <laughs> respond, our heart is united with his and we experience mm-hmm. justification by faith. Amen. That is Amen. an experience that transforms our life. It's not just a legal stamp. Mm-hmm. It is actually a transformation of my Absolutely. mind where I become reconciled to God who has already been reconciled yes. to me. Amen. As, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your transgressions. Mm-hmm. transgressions. I, say, I say it this way, grace wrote the check. Faith <laughs> takes it to the bank. That's right. So God yes. has already written the check. Mm-hmm. He's handing it to you. He's yes. trying to. Yes. If you will just receive this gift, mm-hmm. then you are, will be transferred into his kingdom and you are justified by faith. Amen. You know what's a quick thought here. When we study what happened in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, there was a sin. God came in and made the announcement of the everlasting gospel. And he's saying to the serpent, I am going to put enmity between mm-hmm. you and the woman, your seed and her seed. He will bruise your head. You're going to bruise his heel. He's talking about the Messiah. Yes. But immediately, this is what just blows my mm-hmm. mind. God immediately opened the pathway to restore righteousness by mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. through the substitutionary mm-hmm. sacrificial system yes. that pointed to Jesus Christ. So when we're talking about Christ's death on the cross, it was for all ages, mm-hmm. all the world, mm-hmm. all the people, Old Testament saints were saved looking forward to the coming Messiah. We're saved looking back and looking up yes, to him as our right. high priest. And there's a yeah. sense in which even the whole universe is secure mm. because of what Christ yes. did. Yes. Let me bring this out real quick because this is a live program and this is exciting. And some of you may have some questions. What are they talking about? Or I thought this or I thought that. Mm-hmm. So there's two ways of getting your questions in here. And look at the bottom of the screen. If you want to text it in, it's 618-228-3975. Or if you want to email it in, well, that's live at 3abn.tv. Please send those questions in because you've got some people here that uh, know their Bible very well. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, it's exciting. So what are some of the other unique points Mm -hmm. of the 1888 message? Well, another one that sort of flows from this is that God's love is so influential and so powerful it actually makes it hard for us to be lost and easier to be saved. And that sounds like a counterintuitive statement, right? But remember, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon you. It's a yoke. It must be hard. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is... Not heavy and burdensome. It's so terrible to be a Christian. There's so many burdens. No, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you will find rest for your souls. And you will find rest for your souls. So rather than Satan painting this picture that it's, you know, so hard, it's such a difficult thing, it's so burdensome to be a Christian, Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Being a Christian is the easier pathway in your life. I agree. You know, (laughs) when, when Paul was on the road to Damascus, and yes. Jesus came and presented himself to him. And, he's, and Paul goes, well, no, no, who are you again? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And then he says this interesting statement. He says, it's hard for you mm-hmm. to kick against the pricks. Yes. Yes. You're, you're doing the hard road, Paul. Resisting my Holy Spirit, resisting your conscience, mm-hmm. that's the hard road. Now explain that mm-hmm. for somebody that's, is some, some say kicking, some translations, yeah. kicking against the pricks, mm-hmm. some kicking against the, the goats. goats. Let's explain that so mm-hmm. people knows what that particular phrase means. Does, or I'll yeah. jump in. When, when they had animals to keep the animals, the oxen mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. forward, they had a chain with a ball on it that had all these little metal pricks and it just would gently 
bump them and keep them going. But if they kicked against the pricks, mm -hmm. they were going to get wounded. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. what it is for yeah. us when yeah. we ignore the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. Yeah, and let's put this in context with Paul. Paul, uh, Paul mm -hmm. when he was Saul, he, he had to have times when he was confronted by something that challenged him. When he's holding the coats so that people could stone Stephen, mm -hmm. he had to be looking at mm -hmm. Stephen and mm -hmm. thinking, what is it that motivates him to be praying, Father, forgive them. Mm -hmm. That had to be wearing on him. Mm -hmm. And little by little by little, these things are prodding him, prodding him, prodding mm -hmm. him toward the point where he can have this experience. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Remember these Bible verses. Think about it. We don't give this enough emphasis. Where sin abounds, mm -hmm. grace yes. abounds more. Much That's more hard. abounds. Right? Yes. So if, yes. if we're processing Christian experience from that perspective, if we're processing, mm -hmm. I failed, I've fallen, this Christian experience is difficult. No, 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 no. Where <laughs> sin abounds, Grace does much more about mm -hmm. If we process that, process that in our thinking, our whole religious framework mm -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm. Grace is more powerful yeah. than sin. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than the flesh. So when Romans 5, I'm sorry, when Galatians 5 mm -hmm. talks about mm -hmm. the flesh lusting against the spirit and you can't do the things you want to do, mm -hmm. a lot of people read that and they say, oh, I can't do the good things I want to do because the flesh is so strong. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is so strong that your flesh can't do what it wants mm -hmm. to do. Amen. The flesh is stronger than the Spirit. Amen. So we can say with confidence in the Christian experience, the, when we understand and believe the gospel, it's easier to be saved than it is to be lost. Yes. God's yes. grace has made it hard for the headless, yes. for people to lose and, their And salvation. it's because salvation is a gift. Let me say mm. this to you at home. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, when sin penetrated God's sphere of righteousness... There was nothing. They, they lost their spiritual mm -hmm. innocence. Mm -hmm. And once that spiritual innocence, it's just like if we lose our physical innocence. There's no way man can restore it. Mm -hmm. That's why God instituted this substitutionary sacrificial system. He had this plan before the world began. Mm -hmm. The lamb mm -hmm. who was slain from the foundation yes. of the world. So the point is, there's absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 64, 6 says that, your best acts, your best righteousness is like filthy rags mm -hmm. before the Lord. Mm -hmm. I used to work so hard at trying to be perfect for God and I felt like I had to perform and I walked away. Mm -hmm. But when I understood salvation by grace, yeah. righteousness yeah. by faith, when I understood it was God going to work in me to will and to do his good pleasure, it was a gift. Wow. Yeah. Total difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, and, and Jesus, you know, when, when he was in John chapter 12, he was so mm -hmm. sure that, that his work would be so compelling that he said, um, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when, they, when he was on the cross and they were jeering at him, we had at this, the evidence of the two groups, you know, one kicking against the goads and the other one yielding and submitting to the love of God, the two thieves on the cross. The one thief accepted the gift in Christ and the other one just kept swearing and, and so forth. So, but I think that Jesus uh, on the cross demonstrated why it is hard to be lost. If we surrender ourselves that, to the condescension that he went through, I think uh, it's easy to be saved. Can I give a little medical illustration? Sure. Some of us have probably had something called an MRI. It stands for magnetic resonance imaging. When you go get an MRI, they make you take off every single metallic mm -hmm. object on your body. Because if you don't, that magnet is mm -hmm. so strong. Mm -hmm. If you have a pen in your pocket, it'll literally fly out of your pocket and go into the magnet. Mm -hmm. If you've got a watch on, it'll actually pull your arm mm -hmm. into the magnet. Mm -hmm. God's love is like an mm. MRI magnet. Yes. 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 You have to resist his love in order to not be saved. Yes. God's drawing you mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit, with a revelation of his love, his character, his goodness, to draw you to himself. He's like that MRI magnet. And you have yes. to resist that force in order to be lost. And that was, that was what Jones and Wagner mm. were emphasizing mm. to us as a church. God's love has made it hard mm -hmm. For people to be lost. Yes. And, and there's a quote that Ellen White has. I didn't bring it. I and I know you guys know it. Okay, you know it, right? Okay, you know which one I want? So, yeah. It's the one yeah. about the last link. So far as the oh. angels are concerned, yeah. the mm -hmm. last link, of sympathy. Link, of, sympathy. link mm -hmm. of sympathy that the angels had for, for, for Lucifer was broken at the cross. Mm -hmm. It's that powerful. Mm -hmm. The last link. And it was mm -hmm. forever from the hearts of the angels was erased any loyalty whatsoever 
to just to say. And the world is waiting for the last link of sympathy to be broken in our yes. lives. Yes. Because yeah. we haven't gotten to that. And the cross yet. is that powerful. Mm -hmm. But see, the thing that people forget sometimes when Jesus took on our flesh. Yes. Did you know that he took that flesh back to heaven? Yes, it was mm -hmm. glorified. Mm -hmm. But now he sits in heaven as the last Adam, a new representative of mankind. But he is our high priest. He's limited himself yes. Mm -hmm. yes. mm -hmm. from being omnipresent except through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.17 says he lives in our hearts mm -hmm. by faith through the Holy Spirit. But he not only humiliated himself for a short time while he was mm -hmm. on earth, he, he, he remained himself. that way. Yes. Yes. That's our yes. creator. Yes. yes, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. And when you think of that kind of yeah. love, I stand in yeah. holy Amen. wonder yes. of what he did. And the psalmist, you know, in Psalm chapter 8, one of my favorite psalms, you know, he says, when I consider the heavens, the, the work of your hands, the creation, everything you've made, what is man that you are mindful of him? Amen. Or the son of man that you visit him? And that visit was the incarnation of Jesus Christ Amen. and the, his whole ministry throughout his life on the cross. He was the sovereign of the universe, the creator, the almighty creator. And he humbled himself to come down here and tabernacle with human beings. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it blew... Mm -hmm. David's mind as he thought about that. Amen. Yeah, and it should blow our minds too. Mm -hmm. All right, let's keep going forward here. We got a couple of questions that I'm going to sneak in here in a minute, but let's talk about the, I think the reason that people reject God's love. Well, first there's a pitiful teaching on hell. Mm -hmm. You know, God doesn't want anyone to suffer the second death. No. He is not going to. I just got through doing a sermon on that today. I recorded mm. a sermon. What does the Bible say about hell? <laughs> God is, is crying out to us, turn, turn from your wicked ways. Why should you die? Timothy says that no, you know, God doesn't want anyone to no. be lost as well mm -hmm. as Peter. Mm -hmm. But here's the point. I do have a point somewhere. <laughs> if, if we don't understand his love, yes. there are people who believe that God is partial. Yes. Yeah. The Bible says just the opposite. No partiality. If we don't understand he died for you, yes. you, you are worth nothing less than the price he paid for you with his precious lifeblood. That's the value God puts on your life. So if you don't understand, that's why people reject. They think, oh, I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough. Yeah. I mean, we, none of us make it. Yep. Um, but talk about this idea of corporate repentance, because here's a question that came in. And I oh. want to read this mm -hmm. to you. Um, well, let's, let's go through these three questions real quick. If Jesus is the savior of the whole world, does that mean everyone will be saved? No. And I think that's a good question because mm -hmm. these two statements are not incongruous. Jesus can be right now the savior of the world, right? Everyone is living today because of what Jesus has done. He is the, you mentioned Genesis chapter 3, right? Mm -hmm. If Jesus doesn't intervene at that point, the human race ceases to exist. If Adam and Eve experienced the consequences of sin right away, the human race is not here. So in that instant, when, when the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, Jesus literally saved the world. Mm -hmm. So we can all, every single person on the human race can say, Jesus is my savior today. Now, because God is a gentleman, he loves and cares about us, and, and love is based on freedom, mm -hmm. he gives us the freedom to, to not want to spend eternity with him. Mm -hmm. So everyone doesn't end up in heaven, not because God didn't do enough to save them, but because they reject that. They'd rather cease to exist for eternity than live for eternity with God yeah. in heaven. Mm -hmm. But that, that, that decision is entirely upon them. God has made it clear mm -hmm. that he has done everything possible to save every one of us. Yes. Here, here's the way I say it. Mm -hmm. God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. He makes all the promises. He keeps all the promises. Yes. He invites us, like I said, grace wrote the check, faith takes it to the bank. He invites us to enter into covenant with him. And if we refuse, if we reject his love yes. and say, I don't want to be in covenant with you, 
Okay. The, the way I like to say it is the reason some people won't be in heaven is not because God won't let them That's in. That's right. It's because they don't want to be there. Yeah. Ellen White says it this way. She says the wicked's exclusion from heaven is voluntary mm -hmm. with themselves. Yes. Yes. Hmm. They don't want to be in heaven. It's their chosen yeah. path. Milton yeah. says in Paradise Lost, Satan speaking, Satan says, I'd rather be a king in hell than a servant in heaven. Yes. People that are lost don't want to serve other people in God's kingdom forever. They'd rather cease to exist and have to serve other people, love other people and serve God for eternity. Oh. And I think, like we've said, you know, the majority spurn the gift. God has given us an incredible gift. But let me just read First John 5. Okay. So First John chapter mm -hmm. 5 uh, I'll just begin in verse 10 and we'll read um, to verse 11 or verse 12. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life. Mm -hmm. And who's the us? And this <laughs> life is in his son. Mm -hmm. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. And I think this is where we have the idea that, you know, the testimony is God has given us eternal life. That's the fact of the matter. But this eternal life is in his son. If you have the son, <laughs> kind of like got the son. If you have son, you have life. If you don't have the son, you don't have eternal life. You take the whole counsel yeah. of truth. Reminds me of the got milk commercial. Yeah. Got, yes. yeah. You, you got the sun, you got life. Yeah. And God's okay. gift this, to humanity. This question kind of goes in there, but let me ask, mm. does the righteousness of Christ and our position in him proceed or depend on our faith in Christ? It mm. seems to me genuine faith is only possible if God first makes known to me my position in Christ. Yeah, that's a really good question. So even subtly, we can turn righteousness by faith into mm -hmm. my faith doing something to change God's attitude toward me. Mm -hmm. And so there's the concept of the faith of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Some Bible translations, some of the modern translations translate that as faith uh, in Jesus, mm -hmm. which is putting the emphasis on us putting our faith in Jesus. But the King James has translated it correctly when it says it's the faith of, of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus lived by faith. He is the author of faith. Amen. It was a. It was by faith that he went to the cross. He could not see through the portals of the mm -hmm, tomb, mm -hmm. and yet he decided and made a decision that mm -hmm. he would trust his father even though that did not look like he would ever mm -hmm. exist again. Mm -hmm. And he was willing to make that sacrifice by faith. Mm -hmm. By faith he saw. So if my faith... If my salvation and my righteousness depends upon my faith, which is weak and it fails, um, that becomes legalism in itself. Mm -hmm. But if my salvation and my righteousness depends upon his faith, mm -hmm. and because of his faith, that causes a heartfelt appreciation in my heart yes. that responds yes. to that faith by faith that he gives me, then that's a perfect faith. That is the faith of Jesus lived out in my life, yeah. and that's a faith that has never failed. And that's, that's the third angel's message. That's yes. the third, third angel's, angel's message. message. So this is something that yes. Jones and Wagner talked about a lot, yes. the faith mm -hmm. of Jesus. And we should have been more emphasis on this because it's actually the yes. end of the third angel's message. Mm -hmm. yes. Right? Revelation fourteen twelve yes. says, here's the patience of the saints. Mm -hmm. Here are they who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, Jesus yes. right? Not merely faith in Jesus, but they keep the faith of Jesus. Yes. Mm -hmm. Critical distinction there. Yes. Uh, let me read a text. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And it's uh, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Because this concept, Ellen White says, there are several quotes we have here, but Ellen White says that we have talked about the commandments of God, but the faith of Jesus has been left... Mm -hmm. Strangely neglected. Yes, it's neglected. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it is a powerful concept and the only way that we can live. So Paul says in two different places, he says it also in um, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, but in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think, first of all, one of the most difficult things we can do is to, to surrender ourselves to Christ, yeah. crucified with Christ. That means, you know, we're not in control of our stuff anymore. So he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying, 
the only way I can live is by the faith of the Son of God. My faith will fail me, but his faith will not. And, and faith is something he gives to us. His faith he gives to us. Mm -hmm. And that faith um, is what is, allows us to be, to be, um, to be transformed. Lindy, yes. I, yes. I was praying this weekend, mm -hmm. and I'd been reading in Daniel, and I said, Oh, Lord, give me the faith of Daniel. Mm -hmm. What yes. a faith mm -hmm. Daniel had. And all of a sudden I said, No, Lord, the man who had the greatest <laughs> yeah. faith yes. who walked yes. on earth was the man Christ Jesus. Yes. Yes. Oh, Lord, give me the yes. faith of Jesus. Yes, yes. And so that helps put it in perspective, perhaps, that what we're asking God for is work in us, help us to develop that every step of the yes. way he's yes. doing this. And the faith and of Ellen Jesus White, yes. is a faith that has never failed, yes. even though it's gone through the crucible of the worst test that could ever yes. be imaginable. Yes. Amen. Mm -hmm. and, and Ellen White says in the Zarevis that by faith, mm -hmm. Christ was the victor. Yes. And, and we, don't, we don't recognize in Gethsemane, yes. the 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 what does she say? The fate of the entire world was hanging in the balances. Amen. Only by faith. Jesus Christ was clinging to the ground, asking to let the cup pass from him. And he, if you look at Psalm 22, he had to recall how his father had led him in the past. He grasped hold of that. And by faith, he said, okay, I will surrender myself. It's mm -hmm. okay. But by faith, he With was the victor. That, and that's why in Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us, you have not yet done anything. Christ was striving unto blood. That's the faith of Jesus. Amen. And that's the faith he wants to give to us. Amen. Honey, you have here's a question. A, here's a question that you hear once in a while. Why are we still here if <laughs> Jesus finished the work on the cross? Mm -hmm. mm, that's a great question. <laughs> because it's not just a work for us. It's a work in us. Mm -hmm. And and, and it, when he said he finished, when he cried out it is finished, he's talking about this plan for the for the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But as you said, then there is he's continuing his ministry to yes. end at the cross. Yes. Hebrews two says he became just like us. Hebrews four says he's ministering as our yes. high priest. He invites us to come before his throne of mm -hmm. grace. Go ahead. <laughs> so, so <laughs> we mentioned earlier that at the cross, the odd-looking universe had no sympathy whatsoever any longer for the devil. Mm -hmm. But there are many of us here today that mm -hmm. still have sympathy. Yes. That all in, in, in our Adventist understanding of prophecy, we understand that at the very time of the end that we see on the 2,300 days, which ends in 1844, that becomes the time of the end when Christ does something with his last day people to hold up the character of Christ before the world in such a way that that chain, that link will be broken mm -hmm. so that we won't have sympathy either. And at that point, it can come to an end. This brings up one of the other important points of the ATM message, which gets to our motivation. Mm -hmm. You know, why are we doing Christianity? Uh, Ellen White says it this way, it is not the fear of punishment yeah. or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow Amen. him. They hear the Savior's voice as is manifested from the manger in Bethlehem to Calvary's cross. They hear his voice. The sight of him attracts. Mm -hmm. They hear his voice and they follow him. Yes. Amen. So, so God has made claims about us, yes. right? That says they will serve me, not just because they're going to get a reward or a reward place, but because they love me. They love my kingdom. I love my principles. And Satan says, no, 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 no. Just like Job, just like they're you. serving you just because what they get. Mm -hmm. In fact, Satan is saying they're serving you because of what they get out of it. They're serving you for selfish reasons. So they're actually doing religion based on my principles. Mm -hmm. And God says, no, the gospel is so powerful. Mm -hmm. A revelation of the cross is so powerful. They will serve me and love not their lives to the death, yes. as it says yes. in Revelation chapter mm -hmm. 12. So, so the, the 18 message and the gospel is meant to shift our motivational paradigm yes. from one of self-interest and self-preservation to concern for God's reputation and concern for those around yes. us. And as, as, as Moses said, even if I, you know, you, I can be kept out of God's kingdom if these people can be saved. Mm -hmm. yes. Blot me out of the book. Yes. Uh, Romans yes. chapter 9, Paul said, I'll be a curse for my brethren Christ, for Christ's sake. Yes. 
So, so these are examples throughout biblical history where people actually had their motivation yes. shifted. Mm-hmm. Their concern wasn't for their salvation, but for God's honor and the salvation of those yeah. around. Yeah. That's what God's we trying got to do. Got a minute. Okay, so we'll have to, there's a quote we need to share with you because I think the question, all these aspects are so important. And um, in addition to it, this question brings up a, ver- a vital issue, and that is, is this just Reformation theology mm-hmm. or is it something different? Mm-hmm. Is it... Wa ta fi